Welcome to the No Fame Podcast. Be welcome to the Lustrous Dominion, a small realm, but now a peaceful and thriving one. His chest uh, uh, can be opened up, and inside is uh, just what looks like a massive honeycomb hive. He most certainly is, uh, as far as the giants go, uh, more on the gentle side of things, but uh, I mean, if you mess with the bull, you certainly will get the horn. Uh, Lux bolts upright, like, (gasps) oh, why does it always hurt so much when he does that? He kind of like looks at all this paperwork and then turns around and leaves. Why Why is no one fucking cleaned up anything? Everything's a fucking mess. Please. Welcome to the No Fame Podcast. This is me, Sinead. Uh, I'm here with all my lovely friends in no particular order. We have Justin Crane. Hello, that's me. We have Matt Higdon. I'm Matt Higdon. We have Patrick full of bees. Bzz, that's me, bees. <laughs> this is how I normally speak. <laughs> New character and slowly recovering, we have Josh. Uh, hi i am also here i don't have a b related reference uh so welcome back to the no fame podcast thank you for listening i'm talking right now because we're starting our new campaign um i'm gonna be the dm this is gonna be tall tall tower and i think with uh with with this flawless execution of the intro we're gonna fly right into the title sequence Welcome to Tall Tall Tower. Be welcome to the lustrous dominion, a small realm, but now a peaceful and thriving one. Steep mountains with dangerous passes guard the dominion to the north, while fertile fields and gambling hills flow southward to the sea. The lustrous dominion is ruled by Queen Angarad, Harry, the Relentless, and King Consort Bren the Blessed, who watch over their beloved realm from their castle in Swanscrest. This year marks a decade since the royal couple, with the help of many stalwart companions and the good and loyal people of the realm, defeated the evil tyrant and their hordes and claimed victory in the last great war against evil. Since then, the myriad people of the realm have lived in bountiful peacetime, thriving under the fair and just rule of Queen Harry and King Bren. Now, at the close of summer and as the harvest season begins, Swan's Crest is transformed. A great festival has taken hold of the city, and many have traveled for days and even weeks to attend, to celebrate the anniversary of the victory and to commemorate those who paid dearly for it. Invitations went out across the land to even the smallest hamlets, delivered by any means to ensure that all knew they were welcome. Your invitations, WB aside, uh, however, looked nothing like these beautiful scrolls posted at every inn along the road. Personally addressed to you, a note similar to this arrived. Treasured friend, my hand cramps as I write this, and I rejoice that this realm has so many heroes to address these two that I may complain of it. I have saved you till near the end, though, that I may take my time, and each letter spends at least a page in the middle reminiscing about personal adventures you shared, and closes up. The Queen and I must beg your attendance at the festival this year, as a celebration of our lasting victory against evil would be nothing without you who helped so faithfully and so fervently in our shared struggle. We eagerly await you at the Fortress at Swanscrest. Signed, King Consort, Friend the Blessed. 
Each envelope also contains a scrap of paper with a barely legible scrawl that could just be made out to say something along the lines of, you saw enough of my chicken scratch during the war. Bren was better off writing this one. I'm just throwing this in to say that if we don't see you at the festival, then the beating that I'll give you when I do see you will be far worse than any hangover that you're risking by coming. Signed, Harry. WB40, you received a personal invitation from the king as well, although you do not have any great history with him. The invitation was extended personally because you're one of the few remaining war beasts, incredible creations that melded magic and mechanical knowledge. The war beasts were instrumental in the victory, although most were lost in the final battle. So, at this point, we see the city of Swanscrest. Usually neat cobblestone streets are now strewn with gold, teal, and white streamers. The dawn light begins to creep up to stone shop fronts, but meets no bustling merchants or early risers. The whole city seems to be a bed after the truly magnificent closing night of the festival. Uh, so, if you guys want to get out your d20s, we're going to have you roll to see who introduces themselves first. Dun, dun, dun. I'm using my Grimir dice, everyone, that I made, and I didn't. I told Sinead, but the first three rolls on this dice were fucking ones. <laughs> Here it we sounds go. about right. It sounds so right. Hey, I got a 12. I'm trusting the dice you made for me, Justin. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. I should not have. I got a two. <laughs> I got a 12. Oh, Ooh, ties. tied. Who has the higher decks? Abby. Eleven. Uh, Justin or Patrick, you guys can choose who wants to go first. Should, should we roll these? Justin. Okay, great. <laughs> Your deck is higher. <laughs> My deck is higher. So, you all were invited to this large and magnificent festival. Uh, it's the morning after. So I thought for PC intros, as I have it titled in my sheet, um, we could get you to describe your character and who they are, but also what you might have gotten up to at the festival the night before and where you think that your character would be at a little past dawn the next morning. As esteemed champions of the realm, you all would have been offered a room in the castle for uh, for sleeping if you take the king and queen up on that. Hell yeah. I think, uh, I think my character would have been at the castle anyway, probably just in his standard room that he has. Uh, Near the barracks, I would assume. Um, sorry, do you want me to? Am I starting? Am I starting the character? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? What are you doing? What did you do last night? Uh, Grimir Valdsum is a half giant standing about eight feet tall. Grimir holds himself with an unmatched confidence. His skin is this ashy grayish green from his uh, from his giant heritage but he has had most of his torso and legs tattooed to look like he has been cast out of bronze. His shoulder-length hair that's always kind of half-tied behind his head and a beard that falls over his chest. Both his hair and his beard have these seafoam green streaks that go through them. There's one giant streak that goes through his uh, hair and then he has two streaks of seafoam going through his, uh, his beard to represent the colors of the kingdom. Uh, how he got these streaks of color is another tale for another day. <laughs> his nose and ears are adorned with various piercings, as is tradition from where he grew up. He is often seen with war paint on his face, always ready for a fight. Uh, being a half-giant, Grimir rarely gets cold ever, thus he has no need for clothing, but he has been told off enough by the royals that he has to do the bare minimum at least to cover himself. So he wears like a small loincloth that's seafoam green uh, over his undergarments. And he has uh, just kind of barely enough straps like on himself to just keep some items. Uh, other than that, uh, he wears a small seafoam green half cape uh, on his back. And his shield arm is fully decked out in plate mail, uh, which is the most covered part uh, of his entire body. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Grimir is never seen without his buckler shield with its iconic curved face and his runic short sword, which has served him through more battles than he can count. Aside from that, Grimir carries like a crossbow from, you know, when he can't get up close and personal. And he has a large tome and a small scroll case uh, attached on his lower back or onto his belt. 
um, just below his crossbow. Grimir, the previous night during the festival, Grimir doesn't drink, uh, or at least he doesn't uh, partake in, in getting absolutely trashed with the rest of the city. Uh, instead, he feels like it's his sworn duty to pr- patrol the streets. He might have taken uh, he might have taken part in some of the uh, festivities the night uh, the day before during the big festival. Um, I think he probably would have done like the fun stuff, like pie eating contest and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but during the night, he probably was patrolling the streets and making sure that no one was getting mugged or getting too out of hand and kind of. Uh, anytime anyone like offended him, he's challenging them to a fight to the death. And no one ever takes Vermeer up on these fights to the death, uh, because he is quite the fighter. He's he's known throughout the kingdom as one of the the greatest champions, uh, at least for for sword fighting. Uh, but in the morning, he gets up early and he goes to his. Um, he's got this like tiny office that he barely fits in uh, being a half giant and he kind of like looks at all this paperwork and then turns around and leaves <laughs> the office and is like kind of just wandering around the, the barracks area of the, the kingdom I would imagine is kind of where he finds himself pre-dawn why is, why is no one fucking cleaned up anything everything's a fucking mess <laughs> wandering around complaining okay perfect uh, Patrick, do you want to uh, give us an inkling into who you're playing this campaign and what you think they might have gotten up to at the festival and where they would be the next morning? Sure. So WB40 or War Beast 40 um, <laughs> is a Warforged or in this case a War Beast. And he is, as you said, one of the few remaining, if not the only, uh, war beast uh, still walking and people tend to shy away from him until they know more about him but even still it's kind of unsettling to look at him because depending on the right angle he hits a bit of that uncanny valley because he was shaped to look like a humanoid but a lot of a lot of his pieces are missing so one of his arms looks like it has actual skin, but halfway up the arm, it just kind of ends in, a, in an abrupt cut, and you can see all this metallic working uh, underneath it. And besides that, there's uh, a lot of rusted pieces of metal on him and moss and other bits of just like tiny plants growing in and around him. And in some places, it looks like uh, it almost looks like a, a dried blood, but it's actually a, like a, a deep red resin that seems to be holding him together in different places. Most of his face is not in place anymore. Um, it's just the metallic skeleton that was beneath whatever type of fake skin was there to give him that humanoid look before. But his eyes are still in their sockets and look very real. And they operate as normal eyes would, but they appear as if they're just floating in empty sockets. He has hair, but it's very much so balding because when he loses it, it doesn't grow back. He's dressed in mostly rags, more so covering himself just to help ease himself into society than anything else because he genuinely doesn't need to be wearing the clothes at all. Uh, He has one boot, the other foot, just the metal foot, is just wrapped in leather. And he does his best to cobble himself uh, a bit of clothing to fit into society as best as he can. Besides that, he is accompanied by the ever-present sound of bees, because WB-40 is full of bees. His his chest uh, uh, can be opened up. And inside is uh, just what looks like a massive honeycomb hive and all kinds of bees can be seen uh, walking around inside of it. And if you were to closely inspect it, you would see there's many, many different kinds of bees. But usually this is covered up and 
Uh, he, you can just see the odd bee flying around, going back and forth to him, and other than the sound of them, they're not generally letting themselves known. At the festival, he would probably have a small little stall set up and be selling mead because the bees inside of him are ever producing honey and they don't mind sharing their wealth with uh, with WB40 as he provides them a home and he doesn't have much else to do with the honey than to turn it into mead and although WB40 doesn't need to eat he, uh, he does like to try and provide for his bees as best he can and for that he needs money for society so he turns it into mead and sells it and uh, he's pretty well known for it. Uh, the mead is very good, and he often has different kinds of meads from made from different honeys that most people would never be able to find. And in the morning after the festival, he's likely somewhere around the castle in a courtyard, uh, just sitting in whatever gardens they might have, and sitting entirely still, and the bees are just swarming around him, and he's just silent, watching them and listening. Just meditating in place. Lovely. Okay. Higden? So, our tall boy, um, uh, I guess second resident tall boy, uh, next to uh, our, our buddy Grimir, uh, is I'm the so the reigning judge, Judge Reinhorn. He is a very large uh, Jersey cow type uh, minotaur. Um, his 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 presence and his physical demeanor are very much uh, you know Ferdinand the Bull meets like Uncle Phil. Uh, but there's just a nice little sprinkling of. Just by Frank Bob Ross in there. So, uh, during the festival, you're going to see uh, our good boy, Judge Reinhorn, just uh, kicking it back uh, wherever uh, his friend, uh, friend the Blessed is, uh, just keeping an eye on him, making sure everything is... Uh, making sure those scales are tipping as even as they possibly can. If uh, somebody happens to walk by a tavern and doesn't go in for a drink, judges not going to stand by and let that drink go undrunk, so uh, we'll probably have one or two extras just to keep the scales uh, the way that they should be. Um, he most certainly is, uh, as far as the giants go, uh, more on the gentle side of things, but, uh, I mean, if you mess with the bull, you certainly will get the horn. Uh, Judge walks around in uh, full plate at uh, all times, uh, covered by a lovely... Uh, uh, black, uh, gold, and that, uh, aquamarine color, uh, uh, striped through it. Um, very proud of it. Uh, he, uh, loves his good friend, uh, friend Blessed. Uh, he was the only one who ever was, uh, successfully able to navigate his, uh, family's, uh, labyrinth, which, uh, you know, toppled many, many a gladiator, but, uh, fortunately, Bren just walked on through there, so... You know what, ever since then, Judge has just kind of felt beholden to uh, Brandon his cause. So, uh, you know what, we're just here for the ride, everybody. Buckle up. Seatbelts haven't been, been invented, canon. <laughs> <laughs> Judge has them for his back when people need to ride. It's yep. for safety first. Yep. <laughs> okay, last but certainly not least, Josh. All right, so um, Lux Dark Zephyr is you know gotta have a sweet last name uh is a human typically wears a bright white coat lined with he likes to say teal but it's probably a sea foam just to match the uh colors of the uh of the kingdom uh trim all the way around uh does have a high black collar that obscures his nose and mouth um you see that he's got shaggy long sun bleached blonde hair with deep tan skin typically seen in sailors or people that are outside all the time um on his belt he does carry a couple of daggers as well as two what look like broken hilts for swords they're just kind of strapped there um 
and yeah, he in case he gets into a scrap where he needs a long distance weapon, he does carry a longbow across his back because he fancies himself, you know, elf-like, even though he's clearly a human. What have you been doing? Uh, yeah, so during the night of the festival, the party, he would have been out challenging people to drinking games, especially Queen Harry. You know, he's pretty sure he could beat her in a shot for shot, but when that doesn't work out, he demands a rematch of beers, beer, beer pong. Um, <laughs> while also using his innate abilities to cheat at games to make it look like he's better at throwing things than he is. Uh, while trying to hit on any of the women that are walking by. He absolutely would have taken up the opportunity to sleep in the castle because he is not going to make the trek back down to the wharf to get on his ship, the Obsidian Breeze. Um, and, you know, keep an eye out for all of the sailors that would be underneath him because he's the captain. Uh, just making sure that they're having a good time until he gets too drunk to see and probably challenges Judge Reinhorn to a fight at some point. Gamir's always a re- Don't. Why would you fucking try to fight the judge? Oh, I'm more than happy to entertain that, but most assuredly, you would win. I don't think. Don't listen to him. Yeah. He just wants you Boy. to fight him. Boy, mate, yeah. The judge is certainly a pacifist. Yes. I will let you know. We could, we could put up some bets. We could make some money off this, guys. I think that's a leap. He's the judge. Let me just check my book. That decision. Let me just check my book. Yep. Yep, it's legal. <laughs> Perfect. I'm truly up to fucking here. I've been Boy. walking around all fucking night, and you two are starting a fight in the Boy, street. Man, you just gotta calm down and enjoy yourself a little bit. What's no fighting here, friend? Yeah. Sounds like you're the only one that's getting uh, your panties in a twist there, bro. Do we need to go get ourselves another drink there, friend? Oh, uh, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Grandma there needs a drink, too. I see you up to evil. Evil? That'll be it. You said anything about evil? Where's your hit, mate? Come on, let's go. Evil is all around. There's most assuredly no evil around yeah. these parts. I'd be able to sense it, no problem. You can never be too prepared. <laughs> we're always for. I'm just saying, if evil were to be here, which it's not, you two are fucking fighting and wasted. No, no, we're we're stretching out. This is how we get we're getting limber. We're ready for that evil to show up. It's a good-natured conversation. Where's the queen? I'm off. <laughs> I've had enough of this. The queen's right here. She's passed out in her bowl. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. So uh, we've got most people back up in the palace in the morning. Patrick, WB is in the garden. Justin, Grimier pacing the barracks, bemoaning the cleaning service. Uh, Lux totally passed out mm-hmm. 100% nurse of that hangover <laughs> waiting for a and, beer to be delivered and judge first thing in the morning I guess like uh, at the end of all the festivities uh, judge would probably be going around making sure that uh, anybody passed out in the street is uh, rolled over on their sides in the recovery position <laughs> I think Grimier is also uh, would be probably out doing that as well just being like all these fucking idiots <laughs> It sounds like Grimir's like flipping oh, people over really aggressively. The judge is like <laughs> yeah. rolling them nicely. Yeah. I'm doing a foot flip on yeah, each exactly. Yeah. Judge is like slowly rolling them over, making sure that their arm is underneath. You have homes. We all have homes here. He's just going around like fucking kicking people with his heel. I think if Grimir did see um did see Judge though, Grimir would have Grimir would have seen Judge go out and like gently flip a person he's like oh i'll give you a hand and follows him out and starts kicking people all over so i'm probably somewhere in the realm of nearby judge uh after leaving the barracks and probably waving at his staff but can you get anybody to clean this up anybody at all (laughs) we have a budget that person just holds their head (laughs) and like tries to kind of pretend they didn't hear you as they walk up towards are you ignoring me I will fight you to the death. Can you recall in the recent uh, history any time that you might have ignored him and he felt necessary to uh, cause a little bit of uh, ignoring retribution? I never ignore anybody. All right. Then perhaps we should have a talk with this guy. As you say that, 
you all, in the various places that you find yourselves, sense a familiar intrusion at the back of your head, akin to someone clearing their throat, but in your mind. The king consort was often the one that Queen Harry would trust to relay her messages, and you recognize this as his magic settles on you. You hear his voice, ragged and pained, and for a split second, amidst all the splendor left over from last night, you're brought back to the days before the peace, when you were comrades in arms, in the midst of the worst war to ever shake the realm. King Bren whispers, Please, the throne room, make up most haste, my, my queen. There's a shuddering inhale. No, no time to explain. The voice gains a little bit of strength, and he says, No time to hesitate, if we ever wish to see her again. And the magic cuts off. Grimir's never run faster. You guys. <laughs> we'll have to have that conversation with you later. <laughs> I'm say you guys can, can take a chance to do whatever you um, want, but uh, time is clearly of the essence. WB calmly stands up and makes his way to uh, the throne room, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the throne room. Full, full speed ahead. Lux bolts upright. <laughs> like, <gasps> oh, why does it always hurt so much when he does that? Oi, oi, mate, no more, no more magic, would you? Come on. And then he gets out of bed. Okay, so we'll say, uh, all of you rushing, uh, you make it there around the same time, uh, reaching the throne room where um, there's still evidence of the festivities of last night since after the, the main part of the party started filtering away, people began to drink in odd corners of the palace just due to the special nature of the time um so you pass a couple people passed out in the hallways and the door to the throne room is cracked open uh are you guys gonna head on in um i would imagine judge is going to use goring rush and hammer in through the fucking door (laughs) come here's behind him like fuck yes i missed this that's the fucking way to do it (laughs) where are my guards for is anybody working today? Oh, I mate, not so loud. God. <laughs> There's two guards just hanging on his fucking horns. These halls, the only people you see are looking at you with even worse faces than Lux is. Uh, everyone. I'm going to fire everybody. <laughs> Can you not? Get your shit together. After Judge. Grimir runs after Judge. <laughs> WB just calmly walks in behind them. Um, arriving in the airy hall that houses the thrones. You all rush forward. Um, the stairs are in the center at the back, and they lead up to the dais. King Bren is sprawled across those stairs, blood soaking through his robes and his chest barely rising, but his eyes flutter open as he hears Judge smash through the doors. The monumental throne of Queen Harry has been smashed and overturned, The swan crest on it is sundered and freshly stained with blood. Blood actually coats a large area at the summit of the dais, definitely more than Bren could have lost. As these details become clear, so too does the trail of blood leading from the overturned throne down, away from the barely conscious king, and toward what you all now recognize to be a portal. This evil-looking tear through reality alternately oozes and smokes as the edges of it fray away. Well, what the hell happened in here, mate? Judge, can you take care of Brent? Absolutely. I'll uh, get all over that. Uh, come on over here, bud. Uh, and I'm going to walk up and uh, do a sweet little uh, cure wounds on my good buddy Brent to uh, make sure that everything's good. And uh, I'd like to also do a uh, maybe a detect evil and good in the room just to see how things are going. Sure. Yeah. Um, does anyone else want to do anything while Judge is tending to the king and looking around. Lux would go check out the portal. Okay. A swarm of bees comes out of WB-40. What the fuck? And just go and fly around the blood very close to it. Uh, I just want to see if I can smell the difference between the blood and see how many different sources of blood there are. Okay, okay. All right, Um, then... You actually notice some of the bees land in the blood and are walking through it. <laughs> Tiny little bee feet. Uh, this is what they call blood honey. <laughs> um, I've never had blood honey. I haven't either. I, I don't think that exists. I've bathed in blood, I'm pretty sure. 
don't bleed. That's so bad for you. All right, so we'll get uh, WB40 roll a nature check on behalf of your bees. Um, Lux, you can roll uh, investigation or perception, whatever you prefer, and judge. Um, I'll get you to just roll, I guess, perception after you cast that protect evil and good, and then um, let me know what you got for King Bran. And Grimir? Grimir is sword in hand, shield out, just eyeing around the room for anything uh, that he's not used to seeing, I guess. Okay. So uh, you can roll perception, I guess, too, as well. So. 24 for my perception from Judge. Okay. And uh, Lux? Seven. 14 bees. <laughs> okay. Lux, you're squinting at this portal. Um, it it's, it's dark. That's nice. The rest of the room seems, like, awfully bright. Uh, Judge, you glance over at the hard time Lux is having, and um, there's a scattering of, of sort of good stuff um, in the room, but uh, the, the portal is definitely evil. It's just emanating evil energy. Well, that's not what you want. WB40, you got 14, did you say? Yes, 14 bees. Okay. I love I love the number of bees for your dice roll. <laughs> so okay, so uh, I'll say about about ten of your bees think that they've found some uh, some orc blood, and about four of your bees think that they've found some human blood, which leads you to imagine that uh, the human blood is from King Bren, and the orc blood is from Queen Harry, who is a half orc. Okay. Or they were attacked by. Quarter orcs. <laughs> and Grimir got awfully specific. I got a seventeen on perception. Okay, uh, there does not seem to be any threats at the moment. Although King Bren uh, does seem to be coming back to life a little bit, he's getting some color back in his face. Bren, what happened? King Bren raises his head. Uh, he notices all of you there, and looks incredibly relieved. Thank you so much for coming. He uh, he shakes as he pats his um, his robes and he stares at the the at the rip um, that the blood trail leads to as he frantically starts searching through his robe. You can see as he stares at it that it's fraying faster and faster. This portal seems to be disappearing over time. Um, he digs in and he says you'll need this and he hands to judge a small cloth sack he uh, he closes his eyes again and says I'll be fine the, the the healer's coming please bring my queen back to me I'll send help if I'm able don't don't lose this and he I would sort never of lose your sack my lord lowers himself back down to rest <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> that was the weirdest way you could have said that <laughs> <laughs> as, as he handed the sack, I'm there just like that. I'm there just giving him the like the, the 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 treatment of like rubbing him down, giving him all those like you know seven points of healing. Like, never lose your sack, my lord. <laughs> Big seven foot five moose of a creature. Bren, what what took them? What happened? Um, he kind of takes a a deep breath and he said, "We were we were just going for." An early walk, Harry. Harry needed needed a hangover cure. She swore that she'd left a bottle of 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 some of that mead from last night in here. And and when we we got to the throne room, there was this darkness. I I don't. I think I must have been taken out right away. I heard Harry. Scream. It was. It felt so cold and dark. I. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know. I. I'm not used to not knowing. I. I. And he looks over at the portal again, and you see it's. It's lost another couple inches around the edge of it. Um. It looks like it's not going to be there for that much longer. 
He looks pleadingly at you guys and back to the portal that's disappearing. Well, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, when I finish this sentence, I'm <laughs> running into that portal. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> For the love of God, do not put Merrick in charge while I'm gone. I, I promise, Grimir. While Grimir is saying that, WB40 is calmly walking towards the portal and will step through it. Right, right before Judge goes to step through, he looks back. Now, before I go, can you think of any reason why this might be happening? In that, did you do something to deserve this? I... I... Oh, Judge. Harry's done a lot of things to a lot of people, but you know her as well as I do. She's... She's the the best woman I've ever met. She's a good egg, and Judge just walks through. <laughs> as that's happening, Grabeer is like, I fucking told everybody there was still evil! <laughs> and jumps through the portal. <laughs> 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 he doesn't watch he fully leaps through <laughs> dives through and is just like flying past judge the on the shield, other side the face on his shield turns into like this really ecstatic expression of just pure fucking excitement as Grimir leaps through after everybody else has gone through Lux is going to do a very quick scan to see if he sees that bottle of mead to take with him through the portal <laughs> okay all right. Uh, do a perception check. Fourteen. Um, you don't see a bottle of mead. You do see a half-squished wine skin oh. that got pinned under the throne. It looks like it might have fallen off the throne as it went over. Maybe it was stashed somewhere in there. I will dash over, grab it, and then run back to the portal. Okay. Bonus action dash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. Ooh. Um. King Bran, as you guys go through whispers, I'll I'll try and send help. Not Merrick. <laughs> uh, that's everybody in. Go ahead and give me a con save. You step into the tear one after the other, the edges fraying so quickly now that the last of you are forced to turn sideways to avoid touching the shrinking edges. What did you get? 13 bees. I got a 10. My dice is getting progressively better. I got 21. Hey. Ooh. That was, that's a significant increase over the last one. Uh, Judge got a cool 17. Excellent. Okay. Oh, wait, a save. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. I got 14. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I know how <laughs> D&D works. Never mind. I know how D&D works. <laughs> Don't fucking tell me how <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons works. I doing. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fight you. Merrick's been fucking with my dice again. Fucking Merrick. <laughs> All right. Uh, WB40 and Grimier leapt through first. And as you both leap through, you feel as though you're in a tight, packed crowd. You feel pressing from all around you. WB... You can feel your bees slowly being pushed closer and closer to you, and the pressure increases. You feel like you're losing traction on the ground somehow, slipping lower, and the press grows tighter and more suffocating as the darkness seems to try and worm its way into your body through any cracks or openings. Um, as you step out of the portal, uh, Grimier, you have to hold back and if you exert your will now, you can stop yourself from vomiting. Mm. But your bile is rising and you're incredibly unhappy with what just happened. Um, judge, you step into this portal and it doesn't help you as much. You can feel the protection or it doesn't hurt you as much. The, the protection of your deity wraps around you, but you can still smell the stench of death. Just, just the stench. There's no other sights. There's no other sounds. There's no hint of a breeze. Just void and stench. You realize you have no idea how to keep moving forward and you have nothing to push against in this black abyss until suddenly you emerge on the other side and that smell, that stench lingers at the back of your throat. Lux, perhaps more used to the darkness than anyone else in this party. Stepping into this portal does not 
sway you in such a visceral way, but you immediately know that this black void feels like a threat. There's a tingling on the back of your neck that you get when you're in the midst of a fight. You're sure that someone's about to swing at you, but you also know that there's nothing here. There's there's nothing to see. There's nothing to hear. There's no smells. Just an intense feeling that something threatening is lurking nearby until you two, with no sense of movement, are suddenly shunted out the other side. Um, so with Grimier either vomiting or managing to hold it in. A full-on vomit. <laughs> Something evil is in my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not pleasant. And I take a drink and hand him the wineskin. Don't need any of that. Ah, oh, fine, mate. You don't want none? It hasn't been since the Great War that uh, I've smelled something as uh, uh, funky and very unfresh as this. So uh, I think we all need to kind of keep our uh, keep our eyes peeled. There, uh, uh, shields up, and uh, uh, here here we go, everybody. And uh, I'm gonna cast bless on everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just it, oh wait, no, bless is one minute, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, all right. No, I was thinking it was an hour. All right, so I'm actually going to hold Bless moving forward. Um, it, like, I'm just going to hold an action so that the second that something um, startling pops off, any threat that I perceive, uh, Bless will pop okay. off. Grimir taps his shield with his sword. Well, shielding, here we go again. And the shield turns to, like, this angry, determined face, and Grimir kind of just... Eyes, eyes the room, uh, and his his comrades. Yeah, um, I should mention underneath his cloak, Judge pulls out a tower shield that looks like a collapsible table, and his warhammer is a gavel that swells up into actual warhammer size. All right, here we go. <laughs> I love that your your shield is one hundred percent just a collapsible <laughs> table. It's just a fucking table. table. Yeah. You just <laughs> made a run to Walmart before you came here. Is that why it's a negative two <laughs> to my AC? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I guess Lux will grab one of the hilts off of his belt and ignite his sun blade that gives off a pale, sickly yellow color, but no additional light because it's kind of broken. A single bee is going to fly over to the, uh, the wine skin that Lux is holding and have a smell and see if it's one of um, WB's meads. <laughs> Is it one of his personal vintages? This is an inferior uh, wine and nothing quite so good as your illustrious product. Sorry there, little buddy. This is just uh, this is just something to get the hair off the dog there. The bee does a little dance and flies away. The place that you guys have found yourself in on the other side of this portal appears to be a decently sized meadow. At first you didn't realize that you were outside because the sky is incredibly overcast and the dim light could almost be a a dimly lit interior. Um, There's a low cloud cover and a sickly looking forest looming behind you. Uh, Animalistic shrieks and unidentifiable howls filter out through the bare branches directly in front of you you see a black stone tower, maybe 400 feet away. Its base is nestled into solid rock. The meadow is bounded by rocky foothills that curve around to meet the forest, and it is into these hills that the tower is built. It stands out starkly against the overcast sky, and as you look up, you can see the upper reaches of the tower disappear into the low cloud cover. Um, At this point, if you guys want to roll perception, you can do that. If you don't want to roll perception, you want to roll something else, let me know. I mean, that's got to be it, right? I mean, look, it's we went through a portal. There's a giant fucking tower there. Has to be that. I rolled a 10. (laughs) 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 I got uh, 15 Bs. I also also, rolled a 10. You said that... um, Judge got a 19. There was um, animals crying out? Uh, yeah, there's like shrieks behind in the forest. Uh, I would like to decipher their noises. Okay. Um, sorry, Lux, what did you get in perception? <laughs> 10. Okay. The dice um, have betrayed me again. <laughs> uh, 
WB40. Say, uh, lumping that in with your perception, you hear from the forest behind you the shrieks don't sound entirely sane, but they're screaming for for food and for hunting. And they're hungry. Um, Grimir and Lux, you're taken with the the look of this tower. It it looks kind of unnatural. You can't tell exactly what it is. Maybe it's how black it is against the rock and the sky. Or maybe should it really be able to get up to the clouds like that? What would you call that, Lux? Like a really big tower, like a yeah, like a like a big fucking tower there. A rather large, a rather large tower. Mm, let's go with a big fucking tower, man. Big fucking, and it's weird. Yeah. No. No, of course, mate. It shouldn't be that tall, right? It it, it, it like makes the eye bend. It's kind of cool. Call, I would call that a BLT, a big long tower. Big, I like BLT. Mm, yeah, big BLT. long tower. Yeah. All right. BLT. WB, as you hear them talking about the tower, you turn your attention from the woods to the tower in front of you, and it does seem too tall. But while you're looking at it, you can see a dark silhouette of something that isn't part of the tower. Against the gray of the sky, maybe maybe a large winged shape? It looks like it might even have a figure clutched in its large claws as it flaps up towards the tower. And Judge, you also see this person. You can see them much more clearly. There's certainly someone being flown up into the cloud cover by the tower, clutched in the claws of some giant winged beast. Is this a half-orchid-looking creature? It looks like it might be. You can see a greenish tint to the skin. You can see long hair flowing. The figure looks limp. There appears to be a flying creature headed towards the tower. It's holding something. By the sack of Bryn, we gotta go. I'm just going to the sack that he gave me. And just I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that, mate. <laughs> I'm also going to pretend that didn't happen. It was the final charge that I got before we stepped through that stinky portal. What, what, what's actually in the sick? Can you? Oh, I should look into a sack. <laughs> don't, All right. don't say it like that. I guess we'll take a look. I thought it was a strange manner of speaking. You actually have a sack. No, it's a physical <laughs> sack. I don't know what everybody's getting all fussied up about. It's they, they saw him give me a sack. Can I so look in you, the sack? Yeah, you look inside this small cloth bag, and uh, you find a small glass bead. It okay. looks perfectly crystal clear. It's beautiful. Uh, you find a small adamantine swan. And you find a folded up note from the king. I'd like to take a look at that note and see what it says uh, before we take off. Okay. In strong, clean handwriting, it says, As I am sure I must carry these with me, so too am I sure I know not why. I hope they will aid you. Crush the small bead in a safe space and be shielded for a true period of rest. Look on the swan and take hope from her vigor and ferocity, for I know not how else a small token could help you. Um, and then, who I'll say, uh, Judge and Grimir, you can make, or Judge certainly, and then if you show Grimir the note, Grimir can too, if you want him to, uh, make an investigation check uh, based on, on what the note looks like. It's a uh, dirty 17. Okay. Are you showing me the note? Oh, yeah. No, I would. You're, I mean, I, I'm not going to like coop you down to show everybody. So realistically, you're the only one that's kind of tall enough to be up next to me to see it. So I'm not going to hide it. Oh, you big fucker. Can you show the rest <laughs> of us or no? I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What was that? Yeah, we're too tall. <laughs> you need to speak up. <laughs> you know, ne- Never mind. Okay. 
uh, judge will say you can pass it around or not. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. With no, I'll that role, um, you would notice. You would have noticed as you were reading it that uh, because you correspond with the king so often in your duties, uh, this is actually the king's stationery from about two years ago, and okay. the ink looks kind of faded. This looks like it's been carried around for a little while, and um, I'll just say you guys have all spent extended years with the king and queen so it would be uh, a natural thing for you to think of. Bran often did things like this because he's a divination wizard. So he's prone to visions of things that could help in the future but he might not know exactly how or what. So this feels like another one of those gifts from the king. Well, first of all, I do want to say that this really, uh, really grabs my goat that uh, we were under the assumption that uh, evil had been dispelled from the world. And uh, here he is giving us stuff to protect us from uh, that very evil that we thought was uh, already dispelled. So uh, I am going to have a conversation with uh, him. Are we uh, sure we're still in the world? WB-40 has limited experience with um, the Fae and possibly other... um, realms or whatever they may be called mm-hmm. uh, could I do a B nature check to see if uh, I can tell if we're still in the same plane of existence or if we're in some kind of a demi plane or whatever yeah definitely good luck's also do an arcana check for the same thing yeah definitely um, I would like to do a religion check though to see um how present my uh, my wonderful deity is. Okay. Uh, 13 bees. 13 <laughs> bees. 15 for Lux. And 16 for good boy Judge. Well, look at that. All right, WB40. You send out your 13 bees, and they start investigating. As they get closer toward the center of the meadow, they find some flowers. There's some little red flowers there. As your bees get close to them, they're completely unfamiliar flowers, and they they smell a bit like disease. The bees hesitate, and they don't they don't want to be close to these flowers. So they move a little bit further, and they find more flowers. And these flowers are the same. And you get the sense that while there is life. Um, here none of it is quite right the same evil that you felt as you passed through is pressing in on the edges of everything here Um, and the bees don't get the feeling of a a wide open space to them they they feel bounded by poison Um, Lux for Arcana you notice that almost everything around you bears a little bit of evidence of what you used to see in the war after after the evil mages that you would hunt would decimate a place it could it could return but it never grew back quite as wholesome as before unless a lot of good was put into it and this place has the feeling of one of those if it had been left to flourish as much as it could with the stain of evil still in the ground. Judge, you you reach out and think about your connection to your God and although at first you can't find the right channel, it, it turns out that no, they, they are still there. Something maybe feels cloudy, but then the more you focus on it, it, it comes back to normal. It was almost as though you had to to clear away the mist purposefully. Fix those antenna to get the right channel. Yeah. I always know that uh, the almighty Judge Judy is always on channel 51 after 3 p.m. Monday to Fridays. So it's nice to know she's still there. All right, guys. We may not be home, but uh, 
we're certainly being uh, we're being watched over. So uh, I say we go and uh, get Harry back. Thanks to this sack, we're better yeah. suited for it. I hate to agree with uh, Grima on anything there, but uh, this place stinks like evil, like those evil mages that that did all that bad stuff. Oh yes, it's almost like there's no good at all. WB40 reaches inside of a, uh, a small compartment on him and takes out a, a tiny seed and uh, casts Druidcraft on it to make it sprout. And he just takes a knee and digs a little hole, puts it down, and keeps casting Druidcraft on it to see how healthy it grows. Oh, look at you just propagating away. While you're still focusing on it, it remains... It remains lovely. As you lose focus and move on to something else, you see that what you've already crafted doesn't die, but wilts a little. Some of the stems twist. The leaves get blackened veins. It stays alive, but not pure. The bees are not happy. Bees aren't happy. I'm not happy. This is a shit situation. Are you ever happy there, mate? I'm happy when I'm vanquishing evil and I'm getting the sense and I point my sword at the tower that there's a lot of fucking evil that way. We saw the thing with the wings fly off and if it has a Harry, I mean, Harry is one of the greatest warriors in our kingdom. Let's let's not joke around there. Hands down, no question. Don't think anybody's arguing. Whatever might have done this, obviously, had to be quite powerful. We should probably make haste. All right, I guarantee you there's a lot of balance that needs to be struck here and no one better to do it than the four of us. Let's go, best friends. <laughs> Lux waits to start walking forward just because of that speech. He's like, I don't want to be... <laughs> I don't know about best friends. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. The meadow narrows as you move across it and approach the tower. The foothills encroach on either side until there's a, a, a narrow sort of triangular path leading to what you now see is a large set of double doors at the base of the tower. They're propped open and as you move across the meadow, you notice, especially you, WB40, with your bees on patrol, the farther you move from the sickly forest, the scrubby ground cover changes to a pale and tough grass. It's not especially cold over here, but there is a biting wind that's dipping into the clearing. Um, Your bees notice more of those small red flowers they found earlier. And as you get closer and closer to the tower, there's more life, but it's strange. There's an orange fungus that grows up the rock walls, purple mushrooms that are scattered around, some larger, some smaller. But as, as you reach maybe like 200, 150 feet from the tower, you notice that there's a clear trodden path that leads straight to the entrance. Thank you so much for listening to the No Fame Podcast. The best way to support the show is just by listening, which you're already doing. Amazing. The second best way to support our show is by telling your friends. Hey, why not, right? You can find links to our podcast, YouTube, Discord channel, social media, and so much more at nofame.ca. You can support the show for as little as a toonie at patreon.com slash nofamepod or buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash nofamepod. And finally, we would also like to thank our amazing Patreon supporters, Matt and Jackie, along with everyone else who supports our show across different platforms. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you later on. mushrooms and make it a real high fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, uh, it's not especially cold, but a biting wind dips into the clearing and brings a faint, dank scent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dank scent, oh. I smell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm...
I'm sorry, Justin. I realized you were tossing me a roll credits moment where, what do you think that tower looks like? Oh, it's a tall, tall tower. No, no, no. no that, went, that went exactly how I wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. The whole time I was like, we are never going to actually say tall, tall tower no, no, in this. No, no. I, I didn't plan on it, but like, as soon as we saw like, the big long towers, like, I was like, oh, that would have been my moment. No, never mind. It's okay. Yeah, big was, long tower is way was, better. Your moment was seized way, very appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, went, yeah, that was perfect. The BLT. Yeah. 